Hey, welcome to Steve McGrath's Basecraft. So, um, yeah, some good news. I have a new t-shirt out. Uh, this was a quick one from Inception to put it on my shop. Uh, Monday night I was just browsing through the internet and um, I saw I got my t-shirt from Richie from the Metal Cell and a few other of my friends are getting t-shirts out. So I said I'd love to have another one out. So I just got this idea for like a uh, P-based schematic but maybe done like those old uh, manuals you had, you know, like how to fix a Ford Escort or a Ford Fiesta or whatever. So yeah, that's what it is and I really like it. At the end of the day, I'm just making t-shirts that I would like to wear myself. And um, then I'm just crossing my fingers that other people think they're cool as well. So if you want to support the podcast and support what I do, jump on the link in the description and buy one of the tees. Uh, It's pre-order is up now. It's going to take about five weeks to get to you because there's a huge delay sourcing the t-shirts because of Brexit. But the less said about that whole situation, the better. And, um, of course, you can also just troll me a tip into PayPal or buy me an online coffee with the links in my description. I appreciate any support like that. And, of course, you can also just like, share, subscribe, all or leave a review, all those things. Kind of tickles the algorithm, makes the algorithm happy and will throw my podcasts in front of other people who would be interested in them. Kind of just grows it. I'm starting a new series today called Irish Bases to Know and the first player I have on is Mr. Connor King. So Connor's one of the most in-demand um, bass players in Ireland. He just plays with loads of the top acts in any genre you can think of. And uh, he's been at all the festivals and on all the TV shows and that. And um, it's no surprise why he's so in-demand. Like He's just a killer bass player, always in the pocket and he's really creative. And also he's really good at synth bass, which we get into and he explains to me a complete Luddite when it came to that what the story is with the synth based stuff and uh, yeah it's a real interesting chat and we we get we learn a lot about the irish scene and how it works being a session bass player and he also has his own band milk who have a release out and who are kind of making moves at the moment so all his links and the links to milk are in the description and uh, he was even kind enough to record uh, an exclusive clip for the show of him doing a really nice kind of muted michael league inspired p bass groove and uh, that'll be at the end of our chat, so stick around for that. Right, let's jump in, like, subscribe, share, all that crack, and of course, buy my t-shirt. I think it's class. Hope you do too. Link is in the description. Pre-order is up now. What's pre-order? It means you can get any size you want, and you'll be guaranteed to get one. I don't know when I'll do another batch. Like It's not as if I'm becoming a millionaire from these tees. Like, they're just keeping the wheels turning. So, um... If you buy one, I'd really appreciate it. If you can't afford one, just buy me a coffee or just do the usual thumbs up, likes and all that stuff. Right, let's jump in with Connor King and I'll see you soon. Yeah, well, I'm doing a bit of beat making at the ma- at the moment, so I probably will change the logic. I'm, I'm trying to get into that. It's good crack, like. It's amazing all the instruments that you have at your disposal. Yeah, do you ever get on, um, it's like, it's like eight quid a month, but there's a thing called Splice. Did you ever hear oh, that? Oh, yeah, I saw... Well, I've got the sponsored ad. It's like, the dudes are like, oh, this is class. Yeah, <laughs> man, unreal. just transformed my beat-making process, yeah, man. Just made yeah, me yeah, famous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good, though. There's, like, loads of samples on it. And then, yeah. um, like, there's everything you want on it. Even I saw there, the uh, they've teamed up with, like, some session guys. So you can get, like, uh, Travis Barker, like, drum kits. You get, like, your man Aaron Sterling plays with John Mayer. Mm. Um yeah, like he's just doing stuff, and it's it's good then because you can lash it into Logic and you can kind of get your own samples. And because that's the only thing for me is like the drum sounds, stock drum sounds, I don't love. Um, but like same as that, I'm just messing around really, so yeah. I mean, it's not in the world. But it's it's good to have just a little mess, and then you can like people will upload say one shots of something, so you can put that into your sampler. And then let's say I get like one shot of a, a synth, like some synth playing a G, lashed mm. into your sampler, and then you have that synth then if you know yeah. what I mean it maps it out for you so that's kind of alright yeah that's cool you're you're kind of into that synth stuff I see you put up some stuff on Instagram sometimes yeah yeah that that um the bass and stuff was really it was kind of through necessity I suppose to get into if you want like but, yeah um, we're, we're recording anyway like, oh so deadly yeah savage from, yeah I, I, I yeah. think you're the only bass player I follow who, who does that synth stuff and I think most people should do it like but they don't for sure I, I found it was through like um, I mean uh, Joe Furlong is a great bass player and he plays synth stuff as well and I remember talking to him about it before and um, I see it myself like where I've been on a gig and let's say there isn't the budget for like a full band and the type of music it might be if it's like R&B and pop music like modern R&B and modern pop music that like I, I've ended up losing a gig and then the bass is on track 
um, which is, you know, frustrating, but I, I completely get it from a budget standpoint. So I was kind of thinking to myself, well, look, I, I don't sing, I don't do backing vocals. What else can I bring to the table to kind of make me yeah. valuable to the project, you know, and like from the live setup. So I found that really helped. Um, and just kind of like faking it till you make it with it. Like my mm. thing with it was, look, if I get a gig, I don't need to be like you look up and some guys doing crazy stuff and it's it's amazing. But as long as I can play what I need to play for the gig, yeah. then fine. You know, like that's that's grand. Um, obviously, mm. you want to improve and get better, but that was kind of my rationale behind it because I never played like piano or anything like that. But I was like, look, mm. I understand bass. I understand what the bass's role in something is. Let me try and and do some stuff, and it's really fun. And it's it really is fun, and definitely for the pop stuff, like it it adds a lot because. That's what's you know that's what's on those tracks. It's the synth stuff, really. Yeah. There might be a bass layered in with it as well, but most of the time it's the sub stuff and the and even like the eighty stuff coming back, the kind of old you know Moog sounds and Juno sounds and all that. So just trying to yeah, trying to do more than just be a bass player, you know. And did it take long to get into it to get the the feel of it down? Like, cause I play a bit of keyboard, like not, but I, I thought you really have the touch for it. Like, did it take long to get it to get used to it? it, it a bit, yeah. There's a guy um, on Instagram, his name's Daryl Freeman, I think. I think his name's like The Real Free or something like that. And uh, he, I have a Novation base station. It's kind of like the, I think it's one of the best like entry level kind of things. I mean, it's it's good, it's professional quality, you know, but it's not like, it's, you get one for about 500 quid, I think. And he has a, like a packs you can get up for sale. So I got like some of his packs of his sounds and stuff and just messed around with them. Um, but the uh, but looking at him was really where I got the feel thing. I noticed he was always kind of, I noticed it was a real percussive kind of thing. It's how you see yeah, people play. I saw like that like you were clavinet. not like normal keyboard playing really, is it like? Yeah, it's like you see people playing the clavinet where it's a real mm. percussive thing. And I think it's like, you know, let's say something's in, it's nice when something is kind of one chord held out for a while because like you can just keep the low note going and then you can kind of just mess around with like, oh, you know, say you're doing like octave, then the minor seven, whatever, and you can... Mm make it kind of groovy like that, like for, for that kind of stuff, you know, the more funkier stuff. But um, it was just watching other people and on YouTube and just seeing what they were doing. Obviously, then there's people that just, you know, they, they play it a real different way. But I, I found that was the best. And I think when I got it, that last like Bruno Mars album came out. So that was just a great excuse to just write, let me learn this stuff, you know. Mm. Um, so that was how I kind of started with it was just listening. It was like the second instrument I had I'd learned after bass. So I was kind of looking at it from a point of view of, well, what did, if I was to go learn an instrument now again, what would I do differently? So I was like, let me just play songs. Let me just try and play yeah. songs and, you know, try and emulate the feel and stuff. So that's kind of what I did with it was just trying to emulate things. And yeah, like I said, I think when I got it, that Bruno Mars record came out and the, I think the Charlie Puth one with some real synth based stuff on it. So that was kind of a, a help because I was hearing that stuff on the radio and it was on mm. Spotify and all the rest. So just trying to emulate that stuff really and then um, just doing what's required for the gig, you know. And did it take long to get your head around the different waves? I know that they have like the sine waves and whatever. Like, is, I, yeah. I still haven't really got my head around. I'll twist the knobs and I'm like, oh yeah, it's making a mad sound. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually for me, go, like, I know what I need to do to make, get this sound in my head. For sure, like that's that was definitely the biggest thing because I'm I'm still getting there. Like synthesis, I'm still trying to learn it as such. But it's you know I feel fairly confident if I hear a bass track, like electric bass, I can say ah, oh, yeah, you know maybe they're using a P bass. Uh, there's maybe a bit of chorus on it. You know I can identify those things in my head. That's fine. But I'm trying to get to that stage where you're listening and you think oh that sounds like it's a sine wave with X Y Z, and it just comes down from it. Just I just try to do it by listening to stuff going on YouTube, seeing people, you know, maybe do a cover of a sound that's similar and then just trying to recreate the sound. And that's mm. all it is, you know. I mean, I'm lucky for bass, you know, there's there's like three or four sounds that are really popular and used a lot. Um, whereas I, I wouldn't be comfortable, you know, I wouldn't be able to hear a big, like, you know, a big profit sound and emulate that properly or anything. But for mm. bass stuff, I've just found a couple of things that work for me. But it is, it is tough for sure. And that's the goal is to try and get to that stage where you hear a sound, you're like, Grant, I know what that is. Um... So yeah, it's just, it is a learning curve. It's something different for sure because it's, it's nearly like mathematical. Do you know mm -hmm. that kind of way? Well, it's in, what you're saying, like it's not like you're going to a shed and you practice in your arpeggios. It's all about sounds. You're say, you keep mentioning like you're listening to the sound and that's, it is a kind of a different way of learning an instrument. You're not doing scales. You're just trying to emulate the sounds you hear really, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And like working out what fits because, you know, I think we can kind of get, for most things you could get an electric bass, you know, 
get your P-Bass, whatever it is, plug it in, play, and you'll kind of be grand. But if you, you know, if you go on the wrong patch on a thing and yeah. you have a sound that's completely wrong, it's just going to sound terrible. So uh, that was the thing for me was just kind of working out my three or four like main sounds that I'll use for most things. And then just trying to expand on that and trying to be, okay, I have this sound. How do I make it sound like this? And like that, just messing and, you know, trying. Even if it's real handy, you can, um, you can like latch on to something, you know, so you can just have an arpeggio going and then mess with all your knobs and buttons and whatever and see how it affects the sound. It was just trial and error, really, being like, okay, yeah. if I flick this switch, oh, okay, it sounds like that now. So that's what that does, <laughs> do you know, that kind of way. It, it's daunting but, uh, at first, I'd say, like, but you get the feel for it after a while, like, messing around. Yeah, for sure. And and like I said, you know, like everything else, there's, there's three or four things that work really well that you're going to use, like, 90% of the time. So just being comfortable with that stuff. And now, you know, lucky enough, I, I have stuff saved and whatever. Like, I wouldn't be super confident with them um, if I land to a gig and there was a different synth to what I use, mm. I'd be like, oh, all right, how do I make that sound again? But yeah. I, you know, it's just trial and error, really. Um, but it is a different thing because, yeah, it's, it's not so much about playing. Obviously, it is about playing, but it's more the sound and the textures that you're making. Because yeah. um, at the start, I thought like, oh, I just want real subtones, real subtones. And that was great. And say you're in a little practice room and there's not great speakers and it sounds, it sounds good. Then you land to a venue and you're going through big bass bins and it just takes over the whole gig. Yes, so it's like, right, usually. I need to adjust for that as well. So um, it's good. It's definitely something that I, I want to work on more because I found it has been beneficial with gigs, like just to add that, um, yeah, especially well, for I, the pop, pop I was stuff. thinking today even like uh, about like, oh, I was going to put up a video. I didn't get around to make next. I, I got distracted with my green screen. I was like putting myself in the Millennium Falcon with Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> but um i was thinking i was going to put a video like this is how much slap bass you need to be able to do and it's, if you can just do a pop like you pretty much will cover every time you get asked like uh, red bone you know there's a slap in it or yeah yeah a, a bunch yeah, of yeah. famous hip-hop lines all it is is like one pop nicely placed in the song and if you learn that much slap bass to be able to just accurately do a pop you'll pretty yeah. much get away with everything you're ever going to get asked to do in an actual gigging yeah. situation for sure. Like, I think the best way, someone said this once, I don't know who it was, but I, it could have been, I think it was another bass player I was chatting to him. They kind of said, like, you know, like, Marcus Miller has the Marcus Miller gig. Like, you know, exactly. that gig, you can't get that gig. Like, he has that gig. Yeah. Um, which is cool. And I, I totally understand, you know, wanting to improve your technique and wanting to mm. do everything. But from a pure gigging pr- point of view, it's exactly, it's just knowing what you need to do and and knowing how to do that. Like, I remember talking to a bass player, um, before and they um they just got on like quite quite a big gig like um like really big like i suppose arenas and like smaller uh like some smaller venues but like good few arenas and stuff as well and uh the artist was said he turned up you know did the audition whatever and uh and they're like yeah that that was really great that was really great you you play upright as well don't you <laughs> and he just said uh yeah and he said he went home, bought an upright and mm. practiced it. They were going off for like two weeks. I think mm. they'd maybe two weeks in, they're going to start rehearsing. It's just that's all I did was that person set for two weeks. That's all I could do in the upright bass. But yeah. that's all I needed to do. Yeah, do you fair know? play. <laughs> so it's, it's a bit gas. But yeah, no, it's just um, the synth stuff is really fun for sure. And it just opens up uh, different, like yeah, just kind of different ways to approach things. I find then even with, because I found with my electric bass playing, any pedal I got was to try and make myself sound like a synth anyways. Mm. So I was like, well, I yeah. might as well just get one. Get like, the middleman, you know? just get the bloody synth. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. That is fun though, the trying to emulate. I saw you were putting up some videos. I, I'm watching Ian Allison all the time as well. Like, oh, and uh, it's, it's deadly, like trying to copy the, the synth lines on the bass because it's a completely different way of playing. Like, For sure. It's really fun. And it, like for me, the last year, obviously with like, no gigs and all that kind of crack. You you can kind of get in a bit of a rut with your playing, you know, because you're like, all right, I want to keep practicing. I want to keep whatever. But I was finding before the lockdown that all my like practice time was just learning songs for gigs. So I hadn't actually really sat down and properly practiced, practiced in, in a while. So I was like, okay, I'm practicing away. And then you kind of think, oh, this is, you know, I'm, I'm getting frustrated doing the same thing. So yeah, like he had a video up, I think, and I didn't really realize like the importance of uh, playing with the pick when you're doing the synth mm-hmm. stuff as well because you get that like really sharp attack and it's great. It just opens your mind up, I think, to different things and being comfortable to do different different genres like and you know emulate them to as best your ability, I suppose. 
yeah it's for everyone has that they're in a rut with the whole just being at home and no gigs and i just have, didn't practice for months there but now i just started making these stupid skits on instagram and making beats to go with them and that kind of got me playing again so anything that kind of will get you out get you get the bass in your hands and just get going is what you need like yeah yeah for sure completely like it's um yeah i got um i think i i got like one pedal i think over lockdown and that was just me i was like right i'm gonna learn everything about this pedal and you know i wouldn't be the type that's like you need the best gear in the world to be the best you know i, I don't buy any buy into any of that stuff but i do think having maybe a new bit of gear or a different approach it can bring you back to the instrument and kind of think right yeah mm. i'm excited to play this now again you know so um yeah that was definitely definitely a big help because it's, it's hard to keep motivated and keep practicing when yeah. there's nothing like in the <laughs> pipeline nothing to practice for you know exactly uh, I yeah. see you have the HX stomp actually because I was thinking of getting one and um, some people told me that not to get it because the presets were terrible or something but you were using it a lot like and you get it you, yeah. you seem to like it I, I love it I mean the presets yeah the presets I've I've changed them but like you know that's kind of I think nowadays at most digital pedals like you're rarely going to use something out of the box anyway do you know like I, I think this range of scope on it is amazing like I'm just kind of you know I'm, I'm just touching on it now but um trying to like learn all the ins and outs of it but there's one thing that i'm found, finding so beneficial is and it's really simple is just um like I, I like effects and i like all that kind of stuff but you can split your chain so let's say i have my clean bass going through and i might you know there might be a compression on it or an amp you know simulator whatever it may be um but then i can send it um i can send like i can split it off i can cut it off by like the hertz so I, there's a crossover on it <clears throat> so then you can send like maybe all the all the high end to a fuzz pedal mm. so you're not losing any of your low end because i find that like with a lot of dirt pedals and fuzz pedals that you just lose your low end yeah. I'm like sounds cool but in a mix or a live setting i'm i'm gone like you know that's true so yeah. um, i'm finding that really really beneficial just being able to have your clean sound not not even necessarily a clean sound but having two different signals going through maybe there's chorus on this and maybe there's dirt on this but maybe i don't want the dirt affecting the chorus so i split them up do you know that kind of way yeah so, it sounds complicated um, for someone who's only getting into effects i wouldn't buy it as your first um pedal it's there's a lot going no. on no there is a lot going on. There's a great, um, there's a really good app with it though. Like I, I would be useless now on doing anything like on the actual pedal itself, but there's a really good app. So you just connect it via USB and it's, it's really straightforward. If you've ever messed around with like a DAW or anything like that, mm. you'll get the hang of it. It's just like all your sounds and there's, you know, could be an amp simulator. You've got, oh yeah, my, you know, tone, um, bass, whatever it is, it's just there and you just adjust them and then you're hearing it back in real time and it makes sense. Yeah. Like it would be a good educational tool for someone I think getting into pedals because it's like, okay, well, what does rate mean on a chorus? Mm. Oh, that that's what it means. Cool. Do you know? So Yeah, you'll hear it like But obviously they're kinda Yeah, but obviously, you know, they there is a lot to it. Like I was a bit freaked out as well at the start and uh like, oh what have I done here? Like and you know I'm like, <laughs> oh, do I need this? Like do yeah. I feel like I don't want to be the guy with you know, you never want to be like the person with the huge pedal board that like uses the tuner on it. And that's it. Do <laughs> I do have mean? a huge pedal so, board, um, but I'm, I use most of them most nights. You know? Yeah, I, that's fine. Like, I think as long as it's kind of, uh, as long as you're using it, like it's grand, but I, I've done that before. Where I've like built up a few pedals and stuff and I, I put them all on the board. And then I'm thinking, hang on, like I, I'm not actually using these. I might use like an octave pedal and, you know, uh, my tuner pedal and a preamp pedal and that's it. Like, mm. but, um, I like the idea of the stomp just because for like little handy stuff then I can um I can just bring that and you know, rehearsals or whatever, I can just bring that, that's fine. Mm. And then I'm in the process of kind of putting it together, but what I want to do is is build my board so that I'll have my bass and my synth going through it just for more control. And I think the stomp yeah. will help with that because there's different ins and outs and stuff, so but you know, if if I had something to do it for, I'd probably have it done, but I'm just yeah. putting it on the long finger like that kind of way. Well, you're a Mayo man, are you? That's where, that's where you are at the moment, is it? Yeah, I'm in Mayo. Um, I'm in Mayo at the minute. So came home for for Christmas, and obviously now with the new uh, like restrictions, or whatever, um, I'm gonna be here for the for the foreseeable. I mean, hopefully just for a couple more weeks. It wouldn't but, uh, be like the, the the capital of rock music in Ireland. I'm curious how you got started, like <laughs> playing I music know, yeah, in, it, in Mayo. It was, so it was um, like my. My granddad's a musician. He's a guitar player. He he plays like uh, with some of the country acts and all that kind of stuff. So there there has always been music and instruments around, and there's been an interest in music. But it 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 started off like I was here, and I'm from like a, a tiny village, and uh, we had our local like Faroga club, which is you know the little like youth club things mm. to be around, and 
all that kind of thing. And I think there was like a nationwide thing for a. It was, it was a time of Glee when Glee was really big, like, and it was something like you know get your Glee on or something like that, whatever it was. And so the club were like, right, well, you know, and fair, I completely see it now. You know, it was like, right, well, we need to entertain thirty kids every Friday for an hour, so we're going to enter this competition and we're going to put a band together and we're going to put a song together and dance together and enter it. So I was like, grand, and I kind of it was either you know there was a couple of lads local that uh, like two of them play guitar, one of them play drums and. And then there's a few, you know, other lads in that didn't or whatever. That was fine. And it was either I was in the band part of it or I was doing the singing and dancing. And like with the face makeup and probably like a skin tight bodysuit, whatever it was, you know. <laughs> and me, my 14 year old self said, well, not a hope I'm doing that. I'm being yeah. in the band. So luckily my granddad had a had a bass that he that he lent me. Um, and that was it. I'm, the song we did was... Uh, is Let Me Entertain You by Robbie Williams. And that's all I knew how to play on bass for like the first like three months. Cause, or not for three months, probably like two months because we were recording that. And to this day, it was E, G and A. There could have been a B section that we didn't do, but like that's yeah. all I knew. That was fine. And um, and yeah, it just went from there. And then we kind of realized like, oh, I, I love I love playing music. Like, this is really fun and it's it's really rewarding. And uh, we set up our own little band then. And, you know, we'd be doing like the, the pubs and stuff and venues around like Connacht and it was just great and they were even looking back like they were some of the most enjoyable gigs because it was just fun yeah the early days are always fun you know there's no intention or you're not thinking about making it anywhere you just want to play gigs get paid badly exactly (laughs) yeah exactly not even get paid you know so looking back like and well I didn't really know the lads that well but sure we were best friends then you know and I consider them my best friends after like playing together like for what, nearly five or six years. It started mm. off when I was like 14. And uh, yeah, it was just the best to crack. And I think that you can't get that back, you know, and it's just like, there's no expectation on this gig. Like, I don't care if I need to bring my bass amp up 12 flights of stairs. I get to play a gig. That's yeah. class. Whereas now, you know, you find yourself like, you land or something and something's always wrong. And, you get you know, jaded. Like, you're not as excited for sure. anymore. Like. Yeah, for sure. Especially with like the, some of the, the cover stuff, I found that. But um you know, obviously then there's other things that are really exciting and you're you're really proud mm. to do and glad to do. But I think when you're that bit younger, before you're kind of doing it as a job, it's um it's just yeah, it's it's the best crack. Like even now, any funny story we have or anything like that, it was always at a gig or on the way mm. to a gig or something that happened after a gig or you know, so yeah, that definitely really fond memory. So after that then I, I said, Well, I wanna like play bass for a living. So I uh yes, I went up to college then and studied that and that was, you know, a whole different thing, but definitely the early days are are the best i think did you uh consider going to like a normal music degree or you just wanted to do the bim the performance degree up there yeah did you like measure it all up degree yeah i i want i didn't see in my school there was no music uh in the school so i was kind of always i had no theory at all like um so that kind of eliminated me straight away from some of the other courses now even if there were even if i did have that under my belt like the bim thing just really um I, I was really taken by it. Like, you know, I remember going up for open days and the focus on performance and like some of the tutors up there. And I just remember thinking, this is amazing. You know, I get mm. to study bass and get to study this um, for my degree because I, I didn't really want to do anything else at that stage. And, you know, I mean, I was like, what do you believe in? Sorry, you know, I was like 18 and I was like, this is going to be the coolest thing in the world. Can't wait to do this. And, it, you know, looking back, I don't know, maybe I should have thought about it a bit more. But <laughs> I think like that with... Um, with like my granddad playing music and stuff, uh, that in my house it was kind of that was always fine. Like if you want to do music as a job or you want to do whatever it is, that's that's cool, you know. Just treat it professionally, like, and that's that's no bother at all. I think if I said to them, "Oh, I want to like arts around and go up to college and have the crack, and I don't care what I do," then that wouldn't be cool. But I think they kind of knew. Well, yeah, you want to do this and yeah. you want to make a go of it, so hundred percent fire away. Which I'll, I'll always be really glad for, you know, because um, I think it's a shame when people don't get. Like, you know, if they're pressured into different things that maybe wouldn't suit them, you know. Mm. And did your bass playing go to another level? Like, because how good were you before you went? Because I know myself, I thought I was class until I went to try and get into some music degrees in Cork and I realised I wasn't as class (laughs) as I thought I was. Yeah, I mean. In your hometown, you're always the best. You're you're one of the best bass players. I mean, I was the only bass player. Yeah. So I was like, oh, bass, this is grand. Like, I'm, you know, and I think out of the lads in the band, like the band as when I was younger, 
I was probably the one that wanted to pursue, to pursue it the most anyway. So by default, I probably, you know, was practicing the most and all that kind of thing. So I was, I thought I was unreal, like, you know. And then I think first open day and like someone like Paul Moore or someone like that got up to play and I was like, all right, no, I'm, I'm actually not that good. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. um, I'm, not, I'm not good at all. So uh, it was great. But it was the, the great thing about going there as a bass player was that there's such an emphasis on performance and there aren't many bass players. You know, the bass player... Uh, like the bass department is usually the smallest uh, department there so everyone needs a bass player so you're just straight away out gigging with people doing different genres of music like I'd never played original music before I'd never you know uh, played someone else's song that was Mm. in the room with me and I thought that was amazing and how kind of rewarding it was so um, definitely yeah I improved a lot I would say just because the nature of it like you're in every day playing and even if you're not playing in college that day you probably have a rehearsal with someone um, I'd say it more developed like my my actual professional music skills, like time management and you know what's required on a gig. That kind of stuff is, you know, you, you kind of have to learn that by doing. I think you can't just kind of bluff that stuff, you know. Um, but uh, you're really successful as one of the people that came out of BIM. Like you, you're playing for a lot of acts, like, and not everyone gets chosen to do that. Do you think you did anything really that kind of set you apart a bit? You, you have a social media presence that definitely probably helped a bit like yeah for sure i think so much of it honestly is just um it's just saying yes to everything and like you know just playing with people that's the only way you're gonna get playing with more people like i Mm. you know i it's kind of putting yourself in the shop window like and you know just approaching people that you like if if there's someone near you that or in, in your college or whatever it is in your hometown that that might be writing tunes and if you're into them say hey look I really like what you're doing. Do you need a bass player? And, yeah. you know, the way a lot of artists are, they never think they're any good anyway. So they're amazed that someone is kind of, mm. not they're amazed, but, you know, a lot of people don't think in their early days, oh, someone else would want to play my yeah. music. So um, so I, I think that was so much, it was just playing with as many people as I could and saying yes to everything. Um, because from that then, you know, the I kind of learned that the connections you make, are, that's what gets you the gigs really, is like, you, you know, the people you do a good job for the you know they, they're happy to have you on the gig they'll recommend you for something else so that was really beneficial then the social media stuff definitely helps I, I view Instagram as like um, it's kind of like your CV I think as a as a session musician because you know I, I'm never going to get a gig from LinkedIn or anything like that you know no. it's going to be from even if, if someone doesn't like let's say you know someone recommends me they're probably going to look me up on Instagram um, and if I have you know oh it's just a human nature thing of like, oh yeah, cool, okay, he's done that gig, he's, oh yeah, grand, he's, because I think everyone's kind of been burnt before with getting recommended, you know, if someone is recommended to them and they don't own an instrument or play, you know, <laughs> like, so I think it's just kind of a thing yeah. that says, yeah, you know, you can, yeah, he can play, you can, oh yeah, cool, he's playing with these acts, grand, let me, and even if you don't get the gig, it's, they might remember you for something else, you know, so mm-hmm. it's just having that presence and kind of, um, I don't think it needs to be overkill. Like, I don't think people need to be putting up, like, you know, like the the hard, the most difficult thing they can play in the yeah. world or, you know, feel a, a real pressure with it. Because that's a danger of it as well. You don't want to feel a pressure. Yeah. Into just show you can but, play, I suppose, like, you know. Yeah, exactly. And just, and as well, kind of show that, like, you know, I mean, obviously it's a bit harder, but I wouldn't treat it purely like a CV either where, you know, if you went on a night out with your mates, throw it up like that's cool as well you know, you're a human like you're a human I can it hold doesn't have my pikes give me the gig <laughs> yeah yeah like you know you're, you're not a robot either like. yeah. so um, yeah I think just being but then with social media if you do you know have a few videos and stuff up then it's great now because you can just contact artists directly and if there's someone that you you like their music and you think oh that's cool I really like that then just shoot a message and say hi you know I'm really fan of your music if you ever need a bass player or you never need drummer, guitar player, whatever it is, let me know. Mm. And, you know, something might come of it, something might not. And that's just kind of been my approach with things um, because no one's going to hand it to you, like, you know. I was uh, really impressed when I was reading your CV that you're working with Philip McGee, like, so to get you, like, Philip knows every, I, I, I've recorded with Philip a bunch of times with the band, I mean, but um, yeah. he knows every bass player in Ireland. So to get asked to be the guy to play on the project with Phil, is pretty yeah that was amazing that's an honor um, oh yeah like he's uh, he's like the he's like the kind warm uncle of the Irish music yeah that's a good description (laughs) he's he's just so nice even um, I was mad like this kind of off topic but uh, um, day before Christmas I uh, I was 
group before Christmas, my grandparents came up to see me in Dublin. That was really nice. I had a really nice day with them, you know. Hadn't seen them in like seven months or something stupid. And uh, and I was, I sat into the car with them because they, um, in my apartment, there's like this underground car parking, but I need to keep the key. Mm. So I went down with them so I could come out and then keep the key. And sure, I left my wallet in the car. I didn't cop until they were back in Mayo and I, and I just I just like put up a tweet or something like that so, oh you know say can't believe it happened but say straight away like text and Phil are you alright do you need anything blah blah you know he's just he's yeah, such uh, a he's nice guy soundest guy ever and that's uh, yeah he, there's a lot of people in like engineers you meet who are technically amazing but Phil is as mm. nice a guy as he is technically amazing at the recording like he's got both yeah. of them like yeah I know he was he was great and um, he yeah, so I was I playing with an act, uh, Isaac Butler, real cool, like real like pop, um, really good like pop songs. Um, he's an Irish guy, and he was going in recording a bunch of tunes with Phil. So, uh, you know, I think, and in fairness, I think Isaac probably pushed to have me there as well because um, he probably knew me, and uh, you know, I think he wanted people around him that he kind of knew. But it was, it was great work for Phil, and then he's just so so nice. I couldn't. Uh, I felt like I learned so much. Mm. just from being there and um, being around him. Like, I remember I went and I got my bass set up like the week before and I hadn't really played it, whatever, that was fine. Or I'd been playing it, maybe I was just kind of playing through an amp, whatever I was doing anyways, landed and sure there was a grounding issue on it. Like, And I was like, oh no. Do you know, it's <laughs> like, I look like, I look like the fool here. Like yeah. I look like an absolute fool. Um, so Phil kind of said, you know, we we can't like, we can't do anything with that, you know, like, it's just, and I felt like, you know, you feel like such an idiot, mm. like, so, um, but he was nice as pie about it. Luckily, a new, it was one of my tutors and me actually lived just over the road um, from the studio and I said, look, can I borrow a bass? I'm an idiot, long story short, I'll have it back to you by the end of the day. I said, yeah, grand. And like, Phil, after that, he was, you know, he was so sound. He didn't make you feel stupid or anything yeah, like that, yeah. you know, he wasn't like, Oh, a bunch of amateurs. He was just like, these things happen. Don't worry about it. Like, it's grand. And he'd tell you some story about how something way worse happened to someone <laughs> way bigger than you. Do you know that kind of yeah, way? So yeah. he was just really good experience. And then from like a bass playing point of view, I found just he was so good at like um, working on space, you know, just like really identifying where there needs to be things and mm. where there doesn't need to be things and no choice. I found that was great because he was, he was producing it. So we kind of had some rough ideas of how the stuff would go. But yeah, he's... Yeah, that that was a real, real pleasure, and I'd I'd love to get back in with him soon. You know, and will you you play a bit of five string? And I like you only brought one bass to that session. Would, next time, would, yeah. will you bring like a, a oh, few? I bring like, I bring the house. Like yeah, <laughs> I bring that was that that was a, a lesson learned that day for sure. Like, um, but I think I just kind of thought, oh yeah, this you know this sounds great. This is I think it was like one tune that day. So I was like, oh yeah, this is what that tune mm. needs. This is ideal. Um, you know, cool, go with it. And it was my own fault for not checking, you know, my gear properly and all this. And uh, yeah, definitely lesson learned. Um, but I suppose you kind of need to do those things to to have them. You know, like everyone, I think everyone know, carries a spare pack of strings because one time they didn't have one. Like, yeah. you know, that kind of way. <laughs> so you just need to do those things, I think, to learn from them a bit. But uh, yeah, really enjoyable. Like really just the way he, he could see the whole vision. Do you know, like he'd be suggesting, say, things for the drums to do. And you're kind of thinking... Oh, I, I don't know is that the move like you know just in your own head mm. and then five seconds later like no yeah I totally get it he he knows what he's doing like. yeah well you're learning yourself to be your own when you're called to another session without Phil you can be your own producer like oh I know where to fit the bass in from now on like for sure yeah it's definitely it's uh, it's you know things learnt and you can take it to other places like I, I really enjoy playing all the pop stuff because I think there's room for that in pop music. Mm. There's a lot of there's a lot of space. There's a lot of room for the bass to do interesting bits. Like I mean, so many people you try and cram as many hooks into a song as you can. So if you can make your bass part a bit of a hook as yeah. well, class. And that's I really find that enjoyable. But then kind of working within the constraints of it's a pop song, you can't ever overshadow the vocal, and you can't do anything too yeah. weird. But it's it's nice to come up with those parts, you know. In in fairness, like guitar is becoming like less prominent on the radio but bass guitar isn't it's more like modern music has loads of bass sometimes it's a synth bass but yeah. finger bass as well like you know for sure yeah definitely in the last couple of years and it's it's great like to i suppose everything comes back around because maybe maybe about like five or six years ago there wasn't much at all it was all like all the pop stuff was it was real sub stuff in it mm. and i remember for a while every song could be a dance song could be whatever had like an arpeggiated plucked 
um, guitar. And that yeah. was it. You know, that was the song. Of it. <laughs> yeah, that that was the song. But it's really good to hear interesting bass lines come back. Like there's some, you uh, know, even on like the Ariana Grande album that just came out, there's some really cool stuff yeah, on it. And they're like top people playing What's your man? You know? Lupa. Is that how you say her name? Oh, oh Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa. Yeah. <laughs> Dua Lipa. Oh my God. <laughs> 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 no, yeah, I say she's the called Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. She's from, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that album, the great, like yeah, the new, um, there's a new Miley Cyrus album as well, and that's class. It sounds like it's like Blondie or something of parts, and it's really cool. Like these mm. bass parts with like loads of chorus on them, but there might be like chorus and an octave pedal, and it's it's really cool, and it's it's great time to kind of. If you're, I think if you're, you know, a younger player or you're someone that's kind of shied away from pop music, I think it's a really good time to listen to parts and be like, yeah, mm. this is class. Like, because I think some people think pop is like a dirty word, you know, and it's not at all. I don't think. No, I, like, there's class based playing to be done, like in pop music. Yeah. Where, like, you know, the Beatles are a pop band, mm. you know, and exactly. like Paul McCartney's probably one of my favorite bass players ever. Like, they were the first probably boy band ever. Yeah. So, you kind of, yeah, you know, I think people like to uh, think the thing that's current isn't cool or whatever. And I don't know, I think it's important to embrace it. Like, I think it's, especially if you want to do the session thing, like I never understand if if someone doesn't want to embrace pop music, but they want to like, their end goal is to play with Justin Bieber. I'm like, well. Yeah, you better get into it. Not, like, Yeah, that's not really going to work for you. Like, yeah. You know, it just won't. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And uh, have you got the, you didn't get, you don't have a short scale, but you said you like uh, Paul McCartney. I've been playing, I actually play my short scale more than any of my other bases, like, especially since uh, lockdown. Nice. It's just the one I keep picking up because it's the most fun to play, like, with a, with a plectrum, like. Yeah, I'm after one big time. I just need to justify it because there's one of the lads, I'm, I'm in a original band as well, and one of the lads, he, he has a short scale that he just uses for, like, home recording or whatever, and he brought it to the studio one day and it was, Oh, it was killer. And it, yeah, it was so fun. So fun. And um, I would like to get, I've seen people get a, is it the, the Squire Broncos? Like the, the cheapest of the cheap kind That's of one. That's good. You know, yeah. I think you get Ibanez, like um, Talman as well. Is a nice one. Yeah. And you can just, like you can do loads of it. Um, I was reading somewhere as well that for recording there's something about how, because it's a short scale, there aren't as many, um, like, uh, oh, what you call you know, like the harmonic series where like there's overtones oh, and undertones. Yeah. Because it's short scale, there aren't as many um, other notes within your note when you're playing a short scale. Mm. So apparently it's better for recording. Really? So yeah, I find I it cuts through really well. Like, yeah. It's class. You should definitely yeah. get one. Like they're, they're, they, I don't think, I don't know if there's any difference in the sound with the really dear ones because you're just going for that kind of thumpy sound. Like they're a little bit, they're probably better, but the Bronco should do the job. Like. Yeah, no, I saw there's like a, there's some limited edition Bronco or something that's like pink and white. I think it looks class. So I might have to, uh, maybe first gig back, I might have to put that towards uh, towards the short scale, which is probably the most irresponsible thing to do, but uh, we'll have to go with it. Uh, well, you don't seem like a gearhead, so you're allowed to have one like splurge, buy something ridiculous. Yeah, that was, over the summer, that was the HX stomp. Like, I mean, it was like it was the height of summer it was we knew there were no gigs and i just said you know what so one came up second hand i said you know what i want this thing let me let me get that thing for myself and um yeah i i, I don't mind buying gear as long as it's kind of bene- like beneficial i mm. i am kind of weird with it at the same time like i don't ever want to fall into the trap of i need this thing because that'll make me good or that'll yeah. get me the gig i think that's a real dangerous thing to fall into you know you know, I like even with McCartney, sure, like those bases, they had them because they were the cheapest ones they could get. Like, you know, mm. like that's why he had the Epiphone because um, it was, or the Hoffner, sorry, because it was, it was cheap. Like, yeah. and it's funny now how that's, you see them going for like, they're making them now and they're going for mad money, you know? Yeah. But, uh, sure. It's all. Uh, Harley Benton are killing yeah. at the moment. They've got like, they're copying every cool base and bringing it out for like a hundred quid or something. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, there's there's great stuff. It's a really good um, like like I said earlier, say talking about my granddad. He's a guitar player, and he's in his like seventies now. But you know, it's really interesting talking to him about say the the gear he was playing when he was younger and like playing these like plastic guitars and stuff. <laughs> but now you can go and you can you can buy a really good instrument yeah. for you know if you're a beginner, you can buy a really good quality instrument for not much money no. and. Even then, if you love it, you could maybe slap new pickups in or whatever, mm. and you could keep that, like, for your gigging instrument. And, yeah, it's great. Yeah, and uh, did you get much um, of an influence from your granddad? Or is, if he's a country player, like, so... 
Well, he plays country gigs, but I think at heart he's a rock and roller. Do you know, mm. he's like rock and roll, like like old rock and roll, not like rock music. Do you know, and uh, definitely just from being around the house, like I remember one we must have watched say Blues Brothers like a million times together, <laughs> and then just I think with his knowledge of being like, oh well, that bass player is Donald Duck yeah, Dunn. Amazing. He played with these people, mm. and then you know just having that. Um, when I was starting off, that's usually the kind of stuff that people find out when they explore their instrument a bit more. Because generally, you know, you're like, oh, I know who Flea is and that's class. But I was really lucky to have that knowledge just kind of when I was playing the instrument of like, oh, yeah, you should like listen to this band or listen to, you know, even he got me onto the Beatles like mm. really early and I was hooked. I was like, this is amazing. And, you know, I couldn't get over like McCartney's playing. And still to this day, I think probably one of my favorite bass players. Yeah, McCartney really melodically. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's amazing, and just could kind of do everything, like you know. So yeah, the, definitely the influence there came from the knowledge I think that he had of of music. Like he's a bit mm. of a music nerd, you know, which was great because I was like, he must be I pretty wanna, proud. Like his I grandson would... is a professional musician. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I think so. I think so. We uh, we've only gigged together once, and it was you know, it was really really nice. It was a uh, it was like the end of two thousand nineteen, and it was he put he he put an album together, and it's yeah, like that kind of like rock and rolly. Yeah, rock and roll stuff. And um, it was a gig and it was my drummer I play with all the time called Colin. And like Colin Lyons, he's a great drummer. Um, and he, you know, we're best mates. He's been to the house loads and all that kind of stuff. So it was really nice. It was myself, Colin, um, Bill, my granddad, and then a, a a keys player that was like Bill's friend. And it was a really nice like cross-generational kind of thing, you know. And uh, yeah, it was good. So I'm definitely really thankful for that. And just, you know, I know there's always a... Uh, a spare instrument knocking around or even like I had to borrow this mic stand off and all that so it's, it's, it has its practical uses <laughs> as well class. you know <laughs> you got lucky because yeah. living out in the country I live in the countryside in Tipperary like I grew up in, on a farm like so unless there's someone yeah. musical in your family it can be hard to have those influences you know yeah for sure and then I think the other big one growing up was uh, so he was when I think of like music you listen to it'd be like Beatles and stuff like that but then dad then was a uh, so my granddad's uh, English, like he, um, and then they moved home for a while. And dad was born in uh, in England as well, in, in London. So dad was actually uh, like a club DJ when he was growing up uh, in like the 80s and 90s. So his influence, he loves like dance music and hip hop. And I think he got me onto hip hop then from an early age. I remember like the school run and we'd be listening to like Public Enemy and like Beastie Boys. And in fairness <laughs> to me, I always used to make like censored versions. So <laughs> really, I, I yeah. never got the full crack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never got the full crack. But uh, that, so that got me onto that, I think, really early as well. Um, like I wouldn't have as much of a passion for the the old like rave dance stuff, but mm. definitely hip hop. Um, I've continued to, to listen to that. And I think that's a, another genre that's really overlooked for bass players. Yeah. Like really overlooked, you know, some amazing stuff. Um really and it's really fun stuff i think it lends itself to bass playing as well like because most of the tunes are maybe they're four or eight bar like samples looped so you just have these really fun parts that you know play over then Mm. they might drop out and i think it teaches you a lot about rhythm and placement as well is listening to hip-hop listen like a a good hip-hop album it was cool yeah thundercat did the album with mac miller and he showed like oh there's this amazing virtuoso jazz guy playing he and he was doing these really nice grooves and lines like yeah, it's, that was it's great. Even for sure, even like because um, I mean, a lot of the stuff was like some of the stuff is old, like soul samples and these tunes that you'd you'd never hear, like like you know these soul samples from the seventies and eighties that have these amazing bass lines. Like, there's that tune. Um, one of my favorite ones is there's a tune by Snoop Dogg called uh, "G's and Hustlers," and it's some old sample, but the bass line is amazing. <laughs> it's such a fun line, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I love love playing hip hop music. Uh, luckily enough, as well, I've like I play with a couple of hip hop acts, so it's really fun to kind of explore that world as well because it's a very different world um, mm. from other gigs that that I do. Yeah, your Just CV the, the is very varied. Like you have like what's that girl, Lisa McHugh? She kind of does that folky stuff, and you're doing the hip hop yeah. bands. Like it's nice variety of stuff there. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Like yeah, the Lisa stuff is like um, it's like kind of like pop country stuff, and it's that you know she's like successful which is which is great so the production level and stuff is it's at a real high quality you know we're all on like this click track we're all doing and it's i i love that side of things and then the hip-hop stuff can be kind of it's a lot more like organic so there's been times where um you might just you know you're, you're playing a loop and 
you're just kind of seeing what happens. And that's really fun too, because that's more like an energy. It's really different to like um, the big pop production, I think. It's more like an energy-based genre of music. So mm. it's like, right, well, here's this loop I have. It could be two chords. What do me, drums, keys and guitar do to, within those two chords, like play? How can we make this interesting? Yeah. You know, like these are our constraints. I think that's a really good way to um, push yourself is have, put those constraints on yourself, you know. If you if you give yourself loads of room, oh well, does I can use all these chords, then you can kind of do what you want. But mm. when you're like, this is the beat, this is what we need to watch out for. That's making interest, and I, I love that stuff. Is know? there scope for improv? Like, if you're doing a JLO gig, uh, do, you, do you stick to what was on the CD, or can I never did a gig like that? So I'm not sure yeah, how it works. Like that gig is, uh, yeah, that gig is fun because we play to uh, like we we play to a click and play to a track. But there's a, it's more like arrangement things that are put in. So like um, more like the kind of gospel arrangement stuff that's put in, which is, is, is loads of fun to play. And it's, it can be quite a challenge, you know, with like stabs in difficult places. But there is improv for sure. Like I think as long as you're bringing energy and you're bringing what fits the mood at the right time, then cool. And like that, you know, there can be stuff on the track where I might say, no, leave, leave that big fat sub in and I'll stay out of its mm. way and I'll do something different, yeah. which is... And then you have to find those parts yourself. So, um, no, yeah, there, there is room for improv. More so, I'd say, with, like, uh, guitar and keys, whereas my job is to just keep the foundation more there, you know. Um, I, you know, I'm sure if, if Thundercat was on the gig, like, he could do what he wants, but for... Uh, <laughs> you should come to yeah, the next gig with, like, the six-string bass and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. show them what I you wouldn't, can do. I wouldn't even know what to tune it to. I wouldn't even know. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is it is good fun, though, just to kind of keep the, the groove locked in and even, say, the, the type of players, I think, that play that kind of music, they might come from, like, sometimes even, like, a gospel background. So different people's feels is, is great to play with as well, like some mm. drummers, and they're playing a fill, and you're like... Uh, uh, they're not going to come back in on time. And then they do, but it's crossed over the bar line and it's on the two of the next bar yeah. and you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> I just really need to, I need to lock in, you know? So that's kind of your, uh, like your, did you go into the shed a lot, like doing all the arpeggios and stuff or would you say your foundation of your playing is learning loads of songs? You were saying you were learning covers all the time. Yeah, yeah, that was it, I think, was just learning songs um, before I went to college. Then when I went to college, I think, I I'm understood the because I started playing other people's music, you know. So before I did that, I kind of thought, well, I just need to be able to. I was just learning like harder songs, you know, like oh, learn the Sir Duke line and then mm. learn, you know, whatever else, you know, learn harder songs. But then I realized, well, hang on, I can't play Sir Duke line over someone else's folk tune. Mm. So I need to realize, yeah. oh, um, I need to realize what you know how to create bass lines. So I think I took more of an interest in that afterwards and then just realizing how they all kind of link up and i wouldn't be a massive theory head but like that i think i i'd know enough like theory as as a bass player to create interesting parts you know mm. i mean i wouldn't be able to score an orchestra yeah. or anything but um but yeah they they all kind of feed into one another i think that's kind of the way bim set up as well like you have three core modules um you have styles techniques and theory like a playing modules and they all kind of link up so let's say in styles, if you're doing, if you're looking at Motown stuff, then techniques, you're going to be looking at like how to create that sound and like finger playing and like, mm. you know, muted notes. And then in theory, you're probably, you're going to be looking at like, well, how did Jameson in this line, the no choice, how do they make sense? And so sometimes it don't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, no, no, exactly. And then you're kind of like, like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think someone, oh, I can't remember who it was, someone said that like theory is, it's music theory like it's not music fact mm. and like that made so much sense yeah. to me just like yeah okay cool it's like these are the rules but it's fun to not do that as they're I not understand. even rules i don't think i just find it's a way to explain what's going on almost like yeah for sure it's just like language isn't it and it's, yeah. it is definitely beneficial the the further i got into the session stuff when you're playing with people that have like a, a much stronger theory base than you like i found keys players all have great theory because yeah. It, that's just that's like intrinsic with them playing their instrument is theory um so if you're maybe on a gig and there's a key player in md it is just a really good way to if you know that lingo and then they can say to you oh no in the bridge you know uh try x it could even just be oh no it's going like four five one six and then just knowing what that is and then knowing 
oh, well, if we're in a major key, then what notes do I have available to me on the one chord? Mm. Oh, yeah, it's these. Cool. Just knowing that stuff yeah. that you can, you know, just so you're not kind of being left behind because that's uh, that's an important thing for sure, I'd say. Yeah, and um, what's the plan for Milk at the moment? That's kind of like your, your main, well, your new project. Yeah, so that was like, um, I mean, through through lockdown and stuff obviously there were no other gigs going on so really got to put a lot of effort into that and we uh we recorded our, our first ep which came out in summer over luckily enough we had it pretty much all done before the first lockdown which was great because we would have been you know we would have made a complete balls of it otherwise but um we did that and then over the next lockdowns we were able to get in in between them and record a lot of new music so it's going to be loads of new music coming out this year which really excited about and that has given me like aside from playing for other people it's really interesting to look at like the music industry as a whole because you know we're not signed or anything like mm. that so you kind of have to do things yourself and which you know I, like you know the buzz but like doing stuff yourself yeah it can be i do like, the book i used to all the bookings for the band for crow black chicken we have an english booker now like so i know the crack <laughs> yeah 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 but it's, it's really good and it gives you um it it gives you like it for me it was nice to step away from the base for a bit and be like right let me focus on this thing and it's still rewarding and it's still something i care about but i felt that helped me not being burnt out on my instrument mm. because i'd be focusing on this other thing so I, I felt it really helped my playing and then um like that you know even i you could be playing with another act but oh the, the sound engineer that night was really good like so class if there's a milk gig and need a sound engineer yeah. you know call them do you know, so it was it was good that way because all the worlds kind of feed into one another, and I think that's the thing with Ireland as well because it is so small that you're gonna you're gonna meet the same people, like you know. Mm. So it's it's good to if you get to meet them on another project and you kind of you made a contact with them, then they might help you out with this other yeah. thing. So that was de- yeah definitely beneficial. But yeah, just looking forward to. I mean, sure, we were meant to have gigs. We'd have run a gigs booked for the UK. And then a Paris show, and then a Dublin show. They're meant to be happening in about like three weeks' time. So obviously, <laughs> I don't think you're going, going to need ahead. to buy that flight. No, 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 I don't think so. No, um, so no, so obviously you need to reschedule them and all that. But um, but yeah, like that. There's there's a there's like UK book now and stuff. So it is a bit more helpful. But um, just yeah, looking forward to getting out and playing mm. the tunes because we put out the first EP and it's like they're. There's a few tunes on that that we haven't played live. And now in my head, they're old songs. Yeah. Like, I, I'm sure you know yourself like, when you're way, recording. Yeah, yeah like th- that's an old song. Like when, when that comes out, I've heard that like, like you know, 20, mm. you know, 25 times in the last week probably. So I that's an old song to me. So yeah. it's always nice to be um, looking forward and like looking at different stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, new tune. There'll be a new tune out in February. So look forward to that. Cool. And uh, what about teaching? Are you going to, have you thought about getting into that or is it something you're not really interested at the moment? Yeah, no, it, it is. Um, I, I'd i love to to work in a, um, a kind of like a college setup um, where it's more so talking about like styles and you know, things like that, styles, techniques, as opposed to, I, ha- I haven't ever done like one-on-one bass lessons as such. Um, I suppose you don't know what you're like until yeah. you try it. it I mean, like I said, I'm here in Mayo, so... It's a hard instrument know. to teach. Uh, uh, I think it's harder to teach bass than guitar. I teach bass and beginner guitar. And I don't right, I don't yeah. think... I, I can't teach the bass without getting into the theory, so <laughs> you lose a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I suppose with guitar, you know, if they... like, If you're a beginner, you probably teach them a few chords, they can play a couple of songs, yeah. and they're happy out with that. Whereas it, it is harder for, for bass, probably. I, I found that, like... When you were learning, what did, did you start playing along with songs? or what uh, was your I only of? started learning by year about four years ago. I just had tab books. Yeah. And then I was in original yeah, bands yeah, yeah. forever. So I wasn't learning anything by year. And then I had to learn, had to start figuring out how to learn songs by year, like only in the last four years. Like, Yeah. It's mad how quickly your ear improves. Mm. Like I, I was the same, like when I was younger, I was, like ultimate guitar was my best friend. Yeah. Like, you know, that was the thing. And I was probably at a stage where, my ears weren't good enough that if something was wrong, which oftentimes it is, I I probably wouldn't even know. Do you know what I mean? And probably the people around me wouldn't know mm. either. You know, when you're a bit younger, like you, like yeah, that's yeah, that's oh yeah, that's the tab says cool. I should play it this way, so I'm going to play it. This yeah, way. yeah, yeah. I can't yeah, hear exactly. any different. It says it's this, so <laughs> you're wrong. Like, you know, and it turns out they're all wrong because when I go to play from any tab these days, I think nearly every one of them is wrong, which shows at least the ears getting better. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's just like ear development um, was, that's something that I had to do it like for a bit because I, I, I wouldn't back myself at all. I think I got into the habit of playing with like, um, you know, yeah, playing with tabs and all this. And then all of a sudden you have someone sending you their song mm. and, you know, the gigs in a week and you know, there's maybe like, maybe like six or seven songs could be like support slot or whatever, you know? And, um, you're like, okay, I, I need to learn this now. And then I found I'd always be like thinking the fifth was the root, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Like my ear wasn't, yeah, yeah. wasn't quite there. <laughs> I remember doing something once and I was like, oh, I have this, like, this is in the bag. Like this is so, uh, yeah, I'm feeling really good, really, really confident. And then land rehearsal. And I was just, I realized I was like nearly every chord for the set that I thought it was, was wrong. <laughs> like now that was, that was a while ago now. If anyone's listening, don't They're worry. Probably tight. But, this, um, guy, this guy's got some notions. He won't play the root note for any of the cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Playing literally probably everything else. But uh, yeah, that's just something that I think it, it's a great thing to do early on, you know? Yeah, I think that's good advice um, for anyone because, well, for you and me, we both went to, like, we were proficient on the bass and then we had to learn by ear. Like, people of the older generation didn't do that. They all, they they developed their ear as they learned the bass. I was well yeah, able to yeah, play yeah. and I couldn't play anything by ear. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's how some people feel about theory as well. Because... Um, some people think that like I get it, it can be frustrating for people you can you can shred you can do all this but you, you might not be able to read um, like you know an, a basic C major arpeggio and I, I get that's really that can be a real um, it's a really humbling experience mm. like you know when you think you're kind of the biz and then someone puts a sheet of paper in front of you you're like oh wow yeah. okay. how do you tell a, you know? how do you make a guitar shut up put sheet music in front of him <laughs> yeah 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 so um, yeah I think I'm probably guilty of that as well but they're all different I think they're all different things as well like you, some people some people really go down that route mm. and they're amazing at the sight reading stuff and that's I, I don't know you know that that's a real skill now to just see that and um and play I wouldn't be I remember doing a musical once and I thought like oh yeah this would be grand and it was it wasn't grand <laughs> there's some cracks though the, the bass lines in musicals are brilliant though that's the, it would be great to get oh, into it like. yeah oh yeah it's amazing like if you're if you're able to do it every night it'll be unreal but the stress it caused I think I remember doing it as well and it was something like where it was some oh it was like some it was like an, an amateur production thing um and I was like, yeah, cool. They need a bass. I was like, cool, yeah, let me do this. I want to give this a go, you know. And uh, it was like the music that the band, like the, yeah, the musicians had, it was from the the musical had been done in the 70s and then it got like a rejig in like 2005 or something. So we were working off all our thing, but the cast and crew were working off a different, they were working off the new musical. So it was just, and it took us about like two days rehearsals to work it out. And the show opening night was like the next day. <laughs> so it was, yeah, I'll forget about that one. That's been blocked out, I think, in the in the memory. Yeah, I got the five string, the green one behind me there for a musical like, and haven't played it since, but oh, I had yeah. to play it for the musical because it was written down. The low B was being banged out at the end of a load of songs like oh, but it was, right. it was yeah, some yeah. learning curve like never played five string before and I was playing it in the musical <sighs> but I yeah, got away with how, it how do you find so you don't yeah I haven't you picked don't it up play since. five string I haven't, you, I haven't played then. it once since that really, was two yeah. like two years ago I just played it for that gig and that was it <laughs> <laughs> and now it sits probably there <laughs> waiting for there. another musical <laughs> <laughs> exactly it was, that's it I can't I really like that bass though but um, no, I just I just don't feel like picking it up. I'm like I don't need this extra string, and I don't know, not into yeah. it really at the moment. It's mad how some instruments do that. Like some instruments, you, you really want to pick them up, and then some I don't know they just don't don't really sit with you. Mm. Um, I have that. I I've had two five strings, and I kind of found that with both of them. I don't know. I, I just it doesn't. I don't gravitate towards it. Like if I need it for a gig, cool. Like that's fine. I'm not gonna you know mm. be mad about it. But just when I'm. Yeah. I would probably wouldn't even think about it, but when I'm practicing and when I'm, you know, going to do something, I just never, never reach for it. Like, I, I don't know why, I don't know why that is. What players, like, are you checking out at the moment? Like, on, sit, we've so much time at home, or is there anyone you're into really? Yeah, there's, um, <laughs> have you seen that? It's actually, it'll make you want to quit, but have you seen that guy? Yeah, uh, he's a kid. Aaron, the bassist, have you seen him? Uh, no, he's he's like he's eight, <laughs> he's eight, and he's Is that the guy who makes the real, the bass face, like serious yeah, 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 yeah. He's unbelievable. I think his brother, like, is a drummer, and I think his brother does the videos with him and stuff sometimes. And uh, kind of like, you know, 
runs his Instagram, mm. whatever. And he's, oh man, it's it's just like the feel is so good. Um, so I love, yeah, look, whenever he puts up something, I watch it. Um, there's a couple of, oh, who was I watching the last day? There's a cup. Uh, my mind has gone blank. There's that uh, that guy I mentioned earlier, Daryl Freeman for the sin stuff. I don't know he's, him at all. Really cool. Actually, there was some guy who did a, really a sin cool. course on SPL. It might have been him. I'm not sure. Like maybe, yeah. He's a uh, he's great. I loved. Um, I, I love watching his videos. His fingers are like twice the length of mine. Like he's scary <laughs> good. Uh, so I'm like, yeah. But uh, he's good. He does cool things as well. Where like he um like I said, he makes patches and you can like you can buy them and stuff. They're not they're not dear at all. Um, Ian Allison who you mentioned earlier as well for me he was the, the best person- base personality of last year like person he's just so yeah, I only, brilliant the stuff he says like is inspiring like you know he talks about making baselines and all the good stuff you know yeah it's so practical it's really practical like I found his stuff isn't uh, it's not like clickbaity or anything like no. that you know it's just really like here's here's what I'm talking about Um, you know and I, I like it's it's kind of aimed at like you know uh, maybe like professional or like semi-professional players you know like, like intermediate players mm. which which is great because there's a lot of stuff that is kind of it might blow you away but it's not like you can't really take anything exactly. from it so with his stuff i like that you can take stuff away from it um who else oh there's someone else i'm trying to think of um i love uh, uh your man he's crazy your man mononia i just oh, enjoy yeah, watching yeah. his playing. so funky i like. mean i know <laughs> i know i just said uh like i'm definitely not taking anything away from his playing because i can't play like that hey, you did but, you did uh, one of those skit things though to, to donald trump i saw you were playing yeah, Ch- china yeah, yeah. and you were like copying what he was doing it's, uh he's uh, that's insane i uh i saw him play uh like l- the end of 2019 um i uh, like amazing scary good like just his his fluidity on the instrument yeah. uh, is insane. So, like, you know, as uh, you might not take away, like, oh, I want to sound like that, but you can take away their fluidity. Mm. Evan Marion as well. Yeah, he's um, cool. His, like, and the, the beats is... he makes to go with his bass playing are so professional sounding as well. Like. Yeah, yeah. I um, Yeah, he's he's amazing. And then I've been on a big, I know it's, it's kind of a cliche, but I've been on a big Michael League buzz recently. Just watching his, not even the snarky puppy stuff, just, like, his own like little jams with people mm. um his feel is uh, amazing and he's not a flashy um, player at all like you, you would rarely see him play fast like but he's amazing no it's it's also tasty and it's his chordal stuff like i've been trying to get into the uh the chordal stuff a bit more just to kind of for my own theory as well mm. and just for like my own head um and like you know helping with songwriting and stuff it's it's good to have you know that that foundation um so yeah his, his stuff's just so tasty and I, I find like he uh like that, he's never flashy, but everything is there for like a reason, which I, I love. I love that kind of playing. You know, I I'm not as mad on the the super flashy. Um, this, oh, actually, another great one is uh, Rocco Palladino, Pino's son. Oh, have you have you checked him no, out? Never even heard of him. So obviously, Pino is like Pino, yeah. you know. But uh, Rocco is. Ah, <laughs> uh, he he plays with um he plays with like Tom Mish and Yusuf Days. Um, he, Yusuf Days just put out an album. It's like it's the London like jazz scene is it's mad like your man Yusuf Days he's a drummer and it's all like kind of drum and bass kind of drums mm. and uh, stuff he's doing over it is so interesting like he plays a lot of chordal stuff but it'll be um, he's using really nice like flangers and tremolos and stuff like that and it's just his playing is yeah really really good so definitely check him out but other than that not really do you know um, I mean I know I've named like five or six people there but uh, <laughs> that's loads for people to, to check out I lo- I'm loving your man uh, Rennie Flux and her uh, at the moment you ever, he does the uh, base the world another YouTube channel and the guy he has oh, a big beard yeah, and oh hat. yeah 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 he's, uh, he's his feel is amazing he's coming on he he's like coming on, on for a chat next Wednesday so. no way <laughs> yeah. oh, I'd class. be like fanboying I'd be like man you're the, you're the best he's amazing I remember seeing a video he did like ages ago and it was um it was like hip hop bass lines and I just his feel is so good he was so laid back but I find like some people when they try and do the laid back thing it it sounds it's real obvious they're trying to do mm. that and you know it's nearly like um, it nearly puts you off it was so natural to him like and yeah no he's oh that'd be great I'll definitely I'd love to have a shot in their uh, in their big room wherever it is at all the it's gear in, uh, in Berlin actually is where they're based yeah oh, I'd love to have a go in there you just your man just says load it's gas I've never seen your man like play at all the fellow that narrates the video yeah he's got he just must love some buying, voice like he's class gear. voice for, and his introductions are hilarious yeah, yeah. Like. he must just love buying gear and getting class players to play it like that's seems, you know, some people are like that you know like bass geeks like they just they buy the gear but they don't yeah. play 
Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, no, yeah, that stuff's cool. There's a, I thought there's someone else maybe. Um, no, I, I'll look, it'll probably come to me afterwards, but uh, there's some, there's loads of people out there that are really, really, really good um, for different stuff. Like I'm finding, even on the synth world, like YouTube, I'm finding people that, you know, just type it in like synth-based stuff and there's mm. people that are doing cool covers and, you know, they might like share because the, the synth I have a lot of the time, like there's a few people have it. So it's really nice. That they might do like a little breakdown of how they got that sound. Yeah. So that's uh, that's great as well. But yeah, it can be hard as well at times. Like I think I like unfollowed a, a good few people there on, on Instagram because I was just finding myself like seeing all these amazing players and I was like, oh, geez. And you feel bad about mm. yourself in you know, that kind of way. So I try to just keep people that I like the content and that I can get something out of the content other than like, I'm not good. Yeah, you know? it can be. Yeah, it it can set you back. Like it doesn't inspire you sometimes seeing this shred shredathon kind of thing. For sure, yeah, for sure. Uh, and sometimes even with like, um, yeah, yeah, just with that. Like I, like the mono neon stuff is obviously like shredtastic, but I I get something else out of that. Mm. So I think it's a personal thing. You know, if you get something out of it, then it's it's valid. But uh, yeah, I was just finding myself like nearly skipping past videos because i was like oh, i know what this is going to be already <laughs> and i'm not you know i'm, I'm just not bothered with yeah. it. um there's like oh i sure i read actually i've been listening to uh, a lot of him uh he's like a gospel player yeah, i've heard of him yeah, yeah. Him. really cool just the phrasing um just his phrasing is really really interesting with like going over bar lines and stuff but like not in a really obvious way he's just real real tasty player cool so, so you're just kind of analyzing yeah. a lot of these lines and the musicality of what they're doing like which is a great way yes. to learn, you know, and improve your own. They're different type of chops. Like, it's not, it's a musical kind of chops. You could apply it to any instrument, really, like. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I'm just trying to look at, like, things I can bring to my playing at the minute. So, the big one, actually, is, uh, is I'm just trying to get really comfortable with the pick at the minute. Mm. Um, because I never really played with the pick until over summer. I was, with some of the milk stuff uh, we were recording, it just needed a pick sound. So, looking at people like... um like Bobby Vega mm. and uh, there's that guy Cody Rice yeah. now obviously yes. I wouldn't be doing anything mm. like that but uh, just looking at them and like appreciating the pick a bit mm. more so I'm just trying to you know with the time off is like find things I can improve on that I you know I'm not fully comfortable with yet yeah. I think that's a, a good way to do it and just going at your own pace because there's no you know there's no point feeling bad about me not being able to play like Bobby Vega for one day of the pick so just <laughs> really trying to you know learn new things yeah. Um you know, um, as much as you can. But then, sure, I, I haven't picked up the bass in the last, like, two or three days. That's a disgrace, man. It's <laughs> terrible. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm just saying, I can be... <laughs> this is cancelled. Yeah. I'm not putting this interview yeah, out. Yeah, you're, you're fired. Uh, that was great. No, we've we've loads there. Like, you know, I, I, I kind of just cut it and bring it in whenever it feels natural. You know, it's not really that, yeah, that yeah, big thing. Cool. Like, um, were you going to prepare some kind of um, bit of playing to stick on? Yeah, for sure. I'm going to do... Um, just I, I'm doing a lot of stuff at the minute, which is like um, I I love it. It's like a it's like palm muting, but with your thumb and fingers. I just I love that. Oh yeah, I do that all the time. Really yeah, mainly on the the I, sire bass. I, I I like the twenty four fret for doing that kind of thing. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna yeah, I'm just gonna put a little beat together and uh, probably do some sort of like Michael League inspired thing. Um. So yeah, I look forward to putting that together. Mm-hmm. 